Welcome to the Church in the Peak podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit churchinthepeak.org or come and join us at 10am every Sunday. Uh, good morning. Happy New Year, everybody. Oh, wow. That was underwhelming, wasn't it? Uh, Happy New Year, everybody. Okay, right. Excellent. Um, I've got a lot of echo. So, I sure... Is that any better? Still a bit of echo. Okay. Um, I have... Phil spoke before uh, Christmas about prayer, and I'm picking up that as a kind of refresher from that, a kind of part two, uh, but also a, I would say, uh, a practical application of what we've heard this morning in the prophetic and in the worship. How do we seek God's face? How do we allow the refiner's fire to come? Why do we, why are we tearing up the agenda of prayer this, morning, uh, this week to seek God's face? I want to kind of be prophetic and practical uh, this morning on that. So I'm going to be nowhere near my notes uh, because everybody's preached or spoken about my, what I was going to say. So I'm going to feel to, to make it more practical uh, which is somewhat what I have prepared anyway. Uh, <clears throat> we do want to, uh, as, as elders, we've discussed this before Christmas, we, we want to have this week of prayer really to set the scene for the rest of the year. And it's not just, right, here we go, right, we're going we're to pray about Jigsaw, we're going to pray about Alpha, we're going to pray about this, that, and the other. No, no, no. First of all, we must all be united in our understanding and our relationship with God. Because what I want to see by the end of the week is that we all go forward like one army with one line in friendship with Christ to do the work of what he's asked us to do, to be obedient. Because that is the primary thing. We need to be obedient to what he has, what he will ask us to do. <clears throat> um, I, want to, I want to talk, and I'm not going to speak very long because I want to do some ministry because I think otherwise, you know, what's the point? We must come back to worship and pray about these things. So I will not speak for too long. Um, Steve, could you just put up that, uh, that uh, psalm? One of the things I want to do is, is to say that and I think Phil touched on this um, before Christmas. Worship and prayer, for me, are two sides of the same coin. As we worship, it prepares our hearts to pray. It prepares our hearts for who he is and who we are praying to. And I thought this was a, a great psalm, and I would encourage you, uh, if you don't know where to to start this week, I would say pray through the Psalms. Read through this. Let the Word work on you. Let the Word of God touch your heart. So I'm going to read it. Somewhere through these kind of lights here. It's not, not so, perhaps I'll read it from here. It's a bit easy. It says, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of heaven's armies. I long, yes, I faint with longing, to enter the courts of the Lord. With my whole being, 
body and soul, I will shout joyfully to the living God. Even the sparrows find a home and the swallows build their nests and raise their young at a near place uh, near your altar. O Lord of heaven's army, my King and my God, what joy for those who can live in your house, always singing your praises. What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord, who have set their minds on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. When they walk through the valley of weeping, it will become a place of refreshing springs. The autumn rains will clothe it with blessings and will continue to grow stronger and each of them will, will appear before God in Jerusalem. O Lord God of heaven's armies, hear my prayer. Listen, O God of Jacob. O God, look with favour upon the king, our shield. Show favour to the one you have anointed. A single day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of the God. Of of my God than live the good life in the homes of the wicked. For the Lord God is our sun and our shield and he gives us grace and glory. The Lord will withhold no good thing for those who do what is right. O Lord of heaven's armies, what joy for those who trust in you. I want at the end of this week for us all to say I have met and I have felt the presence of God and that that he has given me grace and glory. That's what I want to know at the end of this week, that that's what has happened to each one of us. But how do we do that? Um, You know, there's no techniques, you know, stand on one leg and go, um, that's rubbish. It's all about knowing who Jesus is. Um, Steve, could you just put the John 4 scripture up? This is a story of uh, Jesus uh, meeting the woman at the well. Uh, He had been, he'd had a long walk, a tiring walk, and uh, he he sat down and he was, his disciples had gone off to buy some food and uh, he sat there by this well, and a Samaritan woman, who was a woman who really was not uh, of the, the Jewish uh, race, and they were set apart, really. They were somewhat enemies. But Jesus said, give me a drink. And she's, she comes and says, you know, what, what, how can you say that? You're, you know, you're, a, you're a Jew. Why are you asking me? And I'm a woman. And he's like... No, you have met, you have met now, or you are meeting now someone who you don't know, but who is the Messiah. And if you come to me and ask, I will give you the water of life to refresh you. And she gets into a, a somewhat of a short theological discussion. And, it's, and this is the, the part I want to pick up. By the time, but the, Jesus says, but the time is coming... Indeed, it's here now when worshippers will worship in the spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit. Those who worship him 
must worship in spirit and in truth. Now, I don't know, uh, I've said this uh, a number of times before, but do you understand what it means to worship in spirit and in truth? What does it mean to be in truth? And what the Bible actually means by that is not, yeah, it's right, yeah, that's, that's great. It's actually an experience. It's experiencing someone. Now, uh, I always use the, the analogy of, you know, if I gave you, if I had a, a CV of Leslie, you know, I would read things, you know, she, she's uh, got four children, she, she's got a good sense of humor, she's very loving, she's very kind. There'd be a long list of things of her attributes. But that's just head knowledge, isn't it? You can't, I can't know Leslie until I actually meet her and get to know her. And then I can say, yeah, actually, I know that is true, that she is loyal, she is trustworthy, she is truthful, because I've lived with her, I have met her and been with her. That's what it means to have truth is that experience god isn't coming by his spirit just to tickle our ears and to uh, twist our intellect he wants us to experience him he wants to experience he wants us to experience his love and who he is so that we can trust him and be obedient in the future Um, I think one of the things I have, I don't know how many of you still uh, use the internet to contact people. I still have, uh, you know, many meetings daily uh, on on Teams or Zoom. And I have have actually uh, sold machines to people in Finland and Sweden where I'd never met them over the pandemic time. I just, I just had to do this through a computer. But when I've actually gone out there and met them, the first thing they say is, it's so good to meet you. It's so good to know what you are actually like. Some of them say, I thought you were only about five foot four and you're six foot two. Some of them say, you're really more handsome than you, than you appear. <laughs> But they're the ones I really have to delete from my address book. (laughs) When we meet with Jesus, it's the same, isn't it? Let's not be on Teams or Zoom with Jesus. Let's let us actually meet him face to face. How do we do that? Um, I think... One of the important things of that story of the woman at the well is that she was expecting Jesus to judge her. If you take the story of the woman who was caught in in adultery, she was expecting Jesus to judge her. She was also expecting to be stoned. She was being judged by people from outside. And so often that is the way we come to Christ the way we come to Jesus. Are you going to judge me when I pray? 
if you, and because that is the kind of cultural soup that we live in, that everybody is saying, you know, this is, you know, if, if you're vulnerable, you're going to get smashed. Uh, I don't know if you've been watching the, the, the TV series this week about the, the post office. It's, if you haven't seen it, it it's worth seeing. And here, I, I just felt challenged by this. Here were people who were uh, genuinely trying to do their best. And they thought the post office was going to be friendly. So they were, getting, they were finding that their books were out by thousands of pounds. So they were ringing up the helpline saying, can you help us? And in the end, the helpline wasn't being helpful. So they'd say, well, would you come, come down and meet with us? And, and actually try and sort it out. And the post office came down and they actually said, you're a criminal. You should, we're going to prosecute you and you need to pay all the money back. And they're like, but we've just been honest and vulnerable and you're condemning us. Why? And it has caused, it's called national news, it's caused awful trauma and, and pain to the point of suicide, to the point of deep mental uh, problems and a sense of injustice. We don't come to a God like that, do we? Are you sure you believe that? Because we come to a God who is full of love. When you make yourself vulnerable... Make it, you will change when you make yourself vulnerable in a situation where you feel loved. If you make yourself vulnerable in a situation where you feel you're going to be judged, you will clam up, won't you? I'll give you, an ex- I'll give you a, a slight example. <clears throat> um, so at work, I have um, a pension that is paid... Uh, from my salary, and we have a pensions, an independent pension advisor. And I'll be honest, I don't particularly like this guy. Um, and he, he's been trying to push me into a scheme that has been, as far as I'm concerned, it's too good to be true. And you may say, okay, you shouldn't be cynical. Yeah, well, you have to be wise as well. And I feel sometimes if it's too good to be true, it ain't true. So I said to him, you know, he was like, he was really pushing this because clearly he was going to make some financial gain out of it. And I was like, no, I, I don't want to do it. And then about three years later, so this is, now we're talking about a couple of years ago, three years after that conversation, he rang me up. He didn't say, it was in the new year, he didn't say, you know, how are you? You know, have you had a good Christmas? You know, how's life been during a pandemic? He went straight in and said, I've been looking at your figures. You have lost £65,000 because you didn't do what I said. I was like, <laughs> you know, it, it was over a phone. If he'd been there, I might have punched him. <laughs> In love, of course. <laughs> and, and I, so how do you react when you go like that? I was like, prickly, defensive, you know, no chance, pal. I'm not going to do that. So at the end of the... He, he went on a lot, quite a long rant about how 
well, an idiot, I was about this. Uh, and in the end, I was like, okay, thank you. I said, well, next time, would you please just, you know, have some courtesy and don't try and bully me into something like that. Uh, and, I, and I said, you're dishonoring the way, you know, of our relationship. And he denied that. Anyway, it was uh, about a year later, he came back and he said, actually, you were right. You should have stayed in those financials. You've actually made more money than if you'd gone with, with me. So at least he had the humility to acknowledge that. But sometimes when people come like that, which is, people come at, that, at us like that all the time. At work, it's always, you know, if I've, have I done something wrong? My first reaction is, I must have forgotten to do something. I must have forgotten to do an email. I must have forgotten to put it in my diary. And sometimes I have. But I'm not coming, that's where I'm coming to a place of judgment. When I come to worship, I come to a person who has love for me, who has, even in the worst things I can do, he will still love me. Because isn't that the message of the cross? Isn't that the gospel message? So when Johnny brought that interpretation, uh, that was so helpful. Because it was like, you know, I have been in terrible places. And I have done, I haven't done terrible things, but I've just been so far from God. And at those points, other people might have left me, but Jesus will not leave you. He has never left me. When I come to him in worship, I remember that he is a God who loves me. And that is why I can be vulnerable to him. Not because he's going to uh, you know, go through my pension, but when he speaks things that I have done wrong, I know it comes out of love and not to bring condemnation. And that's the key. Because so often we, we, we kind of dance around and look religious. Yes, but actually we've got to be honest when we stand before him so that we can, we can repent. It's not that we have to do that and shout it at the front. You have to do that in your relationship with him. But expect God to speak to you, to be the refiner's fire. That's why the, that song is got an anointing, because I think it's because he wants to refine us, to take away the dross that is on the, the surface of our relationship with God. There are some times when we, um, we just feel... Um, that we are doing things to make ourselves feel good, to make ourselves the one it's all about. No, you need to repent of that. Come back to who it's about. It's about knowing Jesus. Let him give you the agenda. Let him clean you up. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't talk to, to people that you trust and can confide in that love you but come before him and allow him to cleanse you then you will hear the, the, the voice of God then is the time to be obedient then it's time to say I feel God is saying this we are going to go forward 
as one, as a church. Not factions here, not factions there. But we come together as one because we have been cleansed by his spirit. It is experiencing God and it is by his spirit. And as the spirit speaks to us, then we can speak out those prayers and they will be much more powerful than if we go through our, I've prayed about this, I've prayed about that, I've prayed about that. There are times when we have to do that, of course. But I think now is not that time. Now is the time to seek his face, be vulnerable in, in front of his love, and allow him to speak to you. Okay, that's, I, think, I, I want to now do that. I want us to, to pray. I want us to worship first. And I want you to be vulnerable before God and allow him to speak to you. There may, be, there may be dross that you need to get rid of in your life. There is for me, okay? You, you, you know, it's not that there's one or two of you. It's everybody, okay? We all need to have that cleansing in our relationship with God, whether that's cynicism, whether that is... is I don't know, getting addicted to things that, that shouldn't be blocking our way. You know, too much reading of Facebook or Instagram, whatever. Let God speak to you. If you, you know, be honest. And he will come and meet with you. He will meet with you anyway. But don't just kind of like, yes, I can, I can pray about this, Lord, but don't talk to me about my taxes or... Don't talk to me about what I'm looking at on the internet. Let him have access all areas. Access all areas is what I would feel he would say to you.